music, stories, and more, you're listening to Artbeat Radio, a program by Abel Artsworth. Welcome back to our new season of Artbeat Radio. To celebrate this new season, we have a brand new interview. We conducted this interview on location at the Aquarium of the Pacific, which is in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. But I had to say. Welcome to Artbeat Radio. My name is Brian Corder. Please introduce yourself. Thank you so much, Brian. It's great to be here. My name is Cassandra Davis, and I am here at the Aquarium of the Pacific with you. What can you tell us about the background behind it? This is our Tropical Pacific Preview at the Aquarium. It's one of the first exhibits that you see when you come into the Aquarium. And right now we have all live coral. However, a while ago, we did not have live coral. Live coral takes a very long time to grow. It can grow at its fastest, about one inch per year. That's not very big at all. So it takes a long, long time to build up a reef like this. And yeah, and what's neat about the aquarium is we have been able to help uh, propagate this coral. That's what they call it when they're growing coral. And we have been able to help restore corals for exhibits like this to bring the beauty of the coral reef uh, to everybody and to bring back and restore some damaged coral reefs in their natural habitats as well. How long does it take? How long This part right here, I remember there we had a diver, Brianna, in our husbandry department, our aquarist department, taking care of this exhibit. And I remember her putting together this back wall. The back wall is first made out of a structure of basically lava rock. And you can see some of that structure behind us. And then we've got the corals inside of the lava rock growing off of that uh, rocky surface. And this growth, I saw her putting that in, in 2019. And many of the corals were very small at that time. They had been moved from other exhibits in the aquarium and they've continued to grow. In fact, you can see some of the new growth on some of these corals. It's that kind of brighter, lighter color as each little coral polyp, each little piece uh, and little creature inside the corals kind of builds its own home. You basically have this giant apartment structure in the underwater city that is the coral reef. We have a lot of fun with these. They're very <coughs> full of movement, full of color. Just a lot of fun to get absorbed by and observe. But one of my favorite fish is a local local-ish fish to the cold Pacific waters. It's called the spiny lump sucker. So you wouldn't see it in a coral reef, 
but it is on the rocky shores of the Pacific. It's very important. It's about the size of a golf ball. It's very small, very round, and it has these little fins. Its uh, bottom fins have been uh, evolved to be modified. It's got these pectoral fins that kind of act like a suction cup, and it'll flutter down and suction to a rock and just stick there. And it feeds off of uh, little tiny things that can become parasites in other fish. So it's really important for keeping a clean ecosystem. And it's super cute. I think the super cute part is the really important part about that fish. <laughs> there are a lot of different fish. Each one fills a different role for the coral reef. But you'll see a lot of them have little kind of pointy mouth areas and they're cleaning. They're cleaning off algae from the reef so that the corals can thrive. So they've developed these long mouth structures so that they can pick between the different pieces. Do they have any catfish? Oh, we don't have any catfish right here, but we do have cat sharks. So cat sharks are pretty neat. They kind of lay around in the sun and uh, sleep a lot of the time. I think they're a lot like cats. Uh, are, do they have much fungus? All of the uh, do they have much fungus? Not quite fungus. They have something called algae, which oh, sort I'm of is oh yeah yeah the algae. Um, they do. The algae is always growing on the aquariums, and it's always growing in the ocean. It's an important food source for a lot of different animals, but if you've ever had an aquarium of your own, or maybe observed a pond or a stream, you might know that sometimes algae gets out of hand, and there's too much algae. So here we have some cleaner fish that help reduce the algae in the coral reefs, and to pick up where the cleaner fish leave off, we have cleaner divers. So we have some volunteer divers who will uh, come in from time to time and help make sure that all of the exhibits are very clean, especially the glass on the exhibits so that we can see them. Oh, how often do they come in? Oh, how often? Depends upon the exhibit. In uh, some of our exhibits, they are in there every day. In others, they don't need to be in as much and they'll be in maybe once a week. Depends upon the exhibit itself. This one has a lot of uh, filter feeding, so they don't necessarily need to be in as much. But it is good to be in to check on all the animals. They not only help to clean off any excess algae, but they double check on all of the animals, whether it's the corals, making sure the corals are growing nicely, uh, or the fish. Sometimes you can tell if a fish isn't feeling well. It, it can't tell you with words, but it can tell you with its behavior. And so we are always going through and observing the animals in their individual habitats throughout the aquarium. How long have you worked at the aquarium? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I am currently the manager of volunteer services. I started as a volunteer at the aquarium in 2011, and I was a volunteer for a while, and I decided to change my major at school and study how people interact with spaces like the aquarium. And then I decided to apply for a job. So I started working here eight years ago. Actually, what kind of schooling do you need to get into this nine of work? Oh, 
schooling to get into working at an aquarium? Well, just about anything will help you to get into the aquarium if, if you have a curiosity and a love of learning. Myself, I have a degree in dramatic writing, which is screenwriting. Really? Didn't need that to work at the aquarium, but that's where I went for my bachelor's degree. And then I uh, went on for my graduate degree in uh, something called free choice learning, which is studying how people learn at places like museums, zoos, and aquariums, and cultural institutions, in order to see how how we can help grow these kind of spaces for the future. We have some volunteers who have schooling and backgrounds from all different walks of life. And uh, they might be teachers, they might be people who are flight attendants or retired, all kinds of different backgrounds because Everybody communicates in different ways, and that's one of the beautiful parts about our staff, uh, volunteer and paid staff at the aquarium, is we have a huge diversity of backgrounds and a diversity of schooling. So I'd say more than schooling, a curiosity for learning, that could be a good qualification for working at a place like the aquarium. Since you've been here with the aquarium, it's been much You've known. Oh, since I've been here at the aquarium, I have learned so many things. And the way that I learn is people ask questions. You can just be walking around at the aquarium and people will ask you questions. And most of the time, my answer is, I don't know. And let's find out. Let's see what we can learn together. So That's can, a good almost answer. I try. It's important that people hear that because a lot of science is, we don't know the answer. Let's find out. Let's investigate. Let's see what we can learn together. So I have learned so much from being here and I've learned by getting questions from people who are just walking by and they ask the most fascinating questions. And sometimes we've had people ask questions. I've experienced people asking me questions where scientists don't know yet. And that's the fun answer. You know, we looked it up and nobody knows the answer to that. Maybe you will be the one to discover it. Yeah, maybe. You get fulfillment from your job. I absolutely get fulfillment from my job. And I get fulfillment from my job because of the people I get to work with. It's really neat to work somewhere where there's beautiful things like that. But the most beautiful thing is being able to talk to our volunteers, talk to our guests, and learn from others. So it is an amazing opportunity to be at a place like the aquarium where I get to learn every day. Good. It's been not real nice uh, interviewing you. It's been wonderful talking to you. I'm glad you came with so many amazing questions. Thank you. Gave me some things to think about, but mostly just put a smile on my face. These are really great questions. Live from the Aquarium of the Pacific with my good friends, the Slug and Cassandra.
Pagentris. Hello there, Cassandra. Hi, Eric. It's great to meet you and the amazing slug. That's right. Here, shake his hand, shake his tail. <laughs> Hello. Anyways, I have a few questions I'd like to ask. Beautiful. I'd love to hear them. Now, how do these animals get to the aquarium? Oh, that is a great question. There are a lot of animals that are born or hatch right here at the aquarium. And there are some that are born or hatched in other aquariums and we give them some animals and they give us some animals. We kind of trade back and forth. And then some of them are uh, brought in from other sources that, that bring us animals sometimes as rescues. So we have one that's one of my favorites. It's a puffer fish that's upstairs. And it came rescued from the Long Beach breakwall. Pufferfish wow. are tropical. They don't belong here in the Long Beach waters. But this one was found. It was looking a little battered. And it has been growing up with us ever since. So it's now bigger than a football. Now, what got you interested in animals? I've been interested in animals since I was very little. I was lucky enough to grow up with a family that went out into nature a lot. And we went hiking and camping. And I was always interested, but I was especially interested in the ocean. I love to go to the beach and see the seashells and learn about the animals that were inside them. Now, of, now, out of all the memories here, what is one beautiful memory that comes to mind when you worked here? I have to pick just one memory. That's really hard. <laughs> well, I, I won't say it's the only one, but I'll, I'll start with one. I had the absolute joy of being able to work with a number of family volunteers. So we have volunteers who uh, start as kids, age nine, with their parents or guardians, and they sometimes continue on for a very long time at the aquarium. And I got to see one of them go scuba diving in our very large tropical exhibit upstairs and that was absolutely incredible to get to see Lily experiencing the exhibit from the inside for the first time. She had been certified with that goal in mind and it was so neat to be on the other side giving her a high five. One thing I remember is that festival you guys have here. That festival you guys have here in the park for people with disabilities to perform. Yeah, the Festival of Human Abilities. Exactly. Before I started working full-time, I got to volunteer for that a lot, and it was one of the most full of memories days. And that's why I say it's hard to pick just one. There, Even just that one day, I could think of seven or eight different distinct memories of being able to see people connect with the ocean and connect with each other. That's probably the coolest thing, watching people connect with each other. What is one thing you wish folks here at the aquarium would know about this place? That is a great question. I think that the most magical thing about the aquarium is the people. Mm -hmm. And during COVID, when everything had to shut down, and the aquarium was closed for really the first time in its history 
for more than a couple of days. It was closed for three months. Wow. The most beautiful thing was we got to come back and I got to see old friends again after three months and it was the most uplifting feeling ever to hear voices at the aquarium again. Wow, that's beautiful. Now, about the shows, do they have any here or do you have a favorite here? Well, we do have a couple of shows, depending upon uh, what your best interest is. We have video shows. Uh, we have videos that play here in the Great Hall. The curtains come down. It gets a little darker in the hall. And you hear music and the videos play on the walls. And I do love that feeling. It just feels really fun because everybody is sharing something all at once. But we also have live shows. We have uh, shows where we talk about caring for the animals and the exhibits. Whether it's caring for seals and sea lions, feeding our sea otters, or divers in Blue Cavern and the tropical Pacific area. I think some of my favorite shows, I, I do lean towards the dive shows. I think it's really a lot of fun to see the divers to see everybody getting to get a high five at the end. And as somebody who loves scuba diving myself, I think it's one of the great ways to have people have a taste of that world, no matter what their interest in diving is, because it's such a neat way to see the world. Well, Cassandra, thanks again for this interview. Thank you so much. So you're Cassandra, aren't you? I am. But you can call me Jack for short. Beautiful. It's great to meet you, Jack. Did you know there are 4,000 different kinds of tropical reef fish in the world? I actually didn't know that exact number. That's really amazing. You know, oftentimes scientists are discovering new things about the fish and uh, which species are different and sometimes which species are the same. Life is full of mysteries. It's true. What's neat about fish is uh, sometimes they look very different when they're small, when they're babies, and then they grow up to be a completely different color. Or sometimes they start off as males and turn female, or start off as female and turn male. Ah, it depends on the genetics here, Cassandra. It does. It's too complicated for me to find out. <laughs> Definitely, and sometimes even for scientists. Parrotfish are a classic example of a fish that sometimes even uh, trained scientists have trouble figuring out which one is which. I can see that. So what are some of your favorite things here at the aquarium? Many sorts of things here. Besides coral reefs, lots of different creatures like sea turtles or sea lions, and sharks. <laughs> Boy, it's hard to tell which is a favorite, but there, let's see, there are top ones here. Yeah, that's true. I know that I get to spend a lot of time talking about sea turtles. That's one of the areas where I work with volunteers a lot, and we get to learn about local sea turtles through community science, through going out and making observations. Yep, you know, my mama rescued a sea turtle in Costa Rica one time. Notice struggling to lay her eggs in her nest, but she stepped in, sat between her toes, and helped her finish her nesting before the sun came up just in the, the middle of the night. That is amazing. 
Did you know here at the aquarium, we often help out sea turtles that are found locally that have been injured in some way. And in our animal hospital, the Molina Animal Care Center, we're able to rehabilitate them and get them ready to be released back into their natural habitat. I've heard about that, especially in SeaWorld San Diego too, at the Turtle Reef Rescue Center. Absolutely, we are part of a network that stretches all along the coastline to help protect sea turtles. It's funny how we get all communities to connect together, to work together when it comes to conservation. Absolutely. One of the neat things I get to do as part of my job is I am part of the Sea Turtle Safe Network, uh, saving animals from extinction. Yes, yes, yes. Protect all creatures, save all species. Of course, humans and animals are all earthlings. As far as we know. That's absolutely true, yeah. It's great to be on this planet and to have such diversity and so many neat things to learn about and discover. Remember, we all share the same world and we can all help take care of it together. Have I ever told you that the ocean is the first habitat I got to know? Really? That's amazing. Yep, ever since I was in my grandma Gigi's house and over the years I got to learn all about the animals and their habitats across the world. That's incredible. She sounds like an amazing person. Yeah. I got, I've learned and learned and got very knowledgeable. You have a lot of facts in there, even facts I didn't know. That's pretty incredible. Exhibits. It's all about protecting the oceans, too. That's true. And if we're able to protect the oceans and the animals in there, then hopefully we're able to protect our whole planet because our planet is more water than it is land. So what kind of sea turtles or animals do you have here? Oh, here at the aquarium, we have three different sea turtles. We have two olive ridley sea turtles that have been with us since the aquarium opened. That's the so, smallest kind. 25 up to years, yeah. Olive ridley sea turtles can be three feet long, but there are other kinds. There's the green, hawksbill, Leatherback, Flatbank, Lockerhead, and Hawksbill. It's a great job. Yeah, here at the aquarium we also have one green sea turtle. His name is Copper, and you can see him upstairs from where we're sitting in the uh, big tropical exhibit, which is modeled after Blue Corner. It's a dive site in Palau. Copper? Yeah! A good not, name. not like the color of a penny. Well, but it you know, sounds exciting to me. Yeah, sometimes green sea turtles don't look green on the outside. That's true, but not all green sea turtles are that color. But I do know why they're called that. Why? Because they chow down on underwater sea plants. It's true. They like algae. They like sea grasses, like eelgrass, and even sea lettuce. Green. Oh. Eating greens is a healthy thing. It's true. And My adult... mom tell me that. <laughs> and the green sea turtles here will tell you that too. In fact, even some of the fish. Oftentimes, we'll feed them uh, lettuce in order to make sure they get all the nutrients they need, but we aren't adding any algae into the exhibit. One time was in the island of Oahu, a sea turtle came on land to munch on, on some sea plants. It probably is a green sea turtle. Well... I think it was just coming to rest on the shore and have a snack. 
could be. And in Hawaii, the green sea turtles are one of the only populations of, of green sea turtles known to come up on shore just to sunbathe, just to bask in the sun and regulate their temperature. However, all sea turtles have a streamlined shell, which makes them more aerodynamic, use their front flippers like wings, and hind flippers to steer. Absolutely, and that streamlined shell means that they cannot pull their head or their arms in, or even their feet inside their shell like land turtles do. Not all turtles can here. Even all turtles have different ways to protect themselves. For example, a sea turtle will just turn its back here and use its shell like a shield. Pretty technique here. And another, but there's another defense. What's that? Take cover or to hide from danger. That's true. So a lot of times, even adult sea turtles will dive down if there's a shadow over the water because juvenile sea turtles are hiding from birds that fly over. So the ones who survive are the ones that take cover, just like you said. Not if we can help because it's our sworn duty to protect sea turtles. According to National Geographic, when I looked in a sea turtle, sea turtle story, by one named Kara from National Geographic, who's a loggerhead, he has to do with memories and instincts. Mystery solved. Amazing mystery solved, absolutely. And did you know we have green sea turtles that migrate here to Long Beach and spend their time in Southern California before returning to their nesting grounds? Yes, they do. And here's something amazing. You see that yellow tang over there? Yeah. Remora's right, there's fish with such cups and heads right on them, and also, t- yep, tangs follow them around, um, and also clean the itchy, buggy stuff off of their shells and flippers and other body parts to keep them clean and healthy. Yeah, they'll, ha- they'll even have little cleaning stations that they roll up to. It's like a car wash for a fish or a sea turtle, so that cleaning fish, like tangs, can come and... and take off algae or parasites, other things that might end up uh, growing on the animal. Ah, good thing prevents getting all itchy. It does. It's kind of like a spa for them. Yeah, I could see that. Did you know that sea turtles let off tears to keep out salt or sand out of their eyes? That's an amazing adaptation to help them survive in the salt water. How do you keep track of sea turtles when it comes to conservation? Besides transmitters. That is a great question. And uh, sea turtles are often tagged. They'll have what are called pit tags uh, if they have been brought up for any kind of research or study. So a pit tag is just a small metal tag on their flipper, kind of in their armpit, called pit tag that way. Puny, but useful. Very useful because they tend to stay on and they tend to be something that can be tracked over long periods of time and long distances, which is important because you've got sea turtles that live for a very long time and travel for thousands of miles in the ocean. Ah, I can see that. But there's another way that we are starting to track sea turtles that is really interesting. Using modern technology, we can use facial recognition on sea turtles now in order to track them by pictures of their faces. So pictures taken when you are visiting a beach, pictures when you're diving or snorkeling, all of these can be compiled together to start to learn more about the sea turtles. Because you're right, they're very hard to track. You can find out more about protecting sea turtles whenever 
and you look online, in books, or ask experts to help out so you can educate people to keep sea turtles safe. Absolutely. We have a little bit of information on the aquarium's website, or if you happen to be near another zoo or aquarium, you might check in with them and see what you can learn or discover about sea turtles or your favorite animals. It's my sworn duty to inform others. Well, you are doing an incredible job. I'm so glad that we got to talk today. And there you have it. Thanks, thanks to Cassandra with education, facts, and getting to know each other. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jack, for coming by and asking such amazing questions. Yep. I did pretty well here. You did an amazing job. I hope you enjoyed this installment of Artbeat Radio. For more information, please go to our website, ableart.org.